Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. Mm. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the update. This is our season preview series for SettingEdge.com. Today we're going to run through the AFC North. So uh, if you're listening to this, you can go on SettingEdge.com and you'll see the previews for the Steelers, Bengals, Browns, and Ravens up there already on the website. Justice is doing. Uh, you know, small essays about uh, offense, defense, contracts, draft picks, who they added, who they let go, stuff like that. And I'm uh, supplementing that with video content at the bottom of each page. So we've already gotten really good feedback through these four, and it, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to finish them out and crank them out through the summer. So, Justice, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Just a little hungover. Other than that, yeah. I'm ready to talk about Browns football, man. Yeah, so am I. So the Browns, they uh, – I, I think the Browns should be at least entertaining to watch this year. I'm, I don't think they're going to be good, but on offense they have pieces and their the front seven is, is pretty young and explosive and fast. So uh, where what, – what did you make of the Browns offseason? Yeah, um, so them wanting Miles Garrett makes a lot more sense to me now. Like looking at their numbers, they were 29th in sack percentage and 30th in tackle for loss percentage. Like this team just couldn't make plays behind the, you know, in the backfield at all. Uh, so the addition of him, um, you're right about them having young bodies. I don't know how many of them uh, I would consider hits, right? <laughs> at yeah. least at this point in their careers. Um, but they do have a bunch of young bodies up there. Uh, their addition of a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, right, from Charlotte in the third round. Uh, he was a great athlete. I mean, he, he, the selection of him and Caleb Brantley, if nothing else, shows that they're willing to keep going at bat. At those positions, you know what I mean. Just because yeah. that they, just because they've spent top 100 picks uh, at the position, doesn't mean they should stop taking them. And I think if that's the, if that's the, the approach that Paul De Podesta is, wants to take, you know, if you're talking about a guy who looks at money volatile, is a guy who, uh, I guess you'd say, you know, he's made his career analyzing markets, right? Uh, that that's a really smart approach, especially at that position where you can never really have too many defensive linemen. Like there's no team that has too many defensive linemen where they, there's a quality, you know, third string defender who walks off and signs a huge deal and second string guys are signing contracts. Um, I, I would say on the offensive side of the ball, the most impressive thing to me was their running game, to be totally honest. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that they were second in yards per carry and that both Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell both had yards per carry uh, averages that were higher than the Dallas Cowboys average. Um, the only issue was they were 31st in run percentage, which is basically like 31. Like they, they were, they ran the ball the second least amount in the NFL. And it was because of the situations that, you know, that defense and passing game kind of got them into. Um, so I, I think, you know, this year, right. I mean, you hope there's an upgrade at quarterback. Uh, there's promise that this defense gets better, right? Uh, they'll be in more manageable positions where they can kind of unleash that running game. And the other thing is those running backs were doing that whilst, while uh, the Cleveland Browns were 31st in tackles for loss percentage on the offensive side of the ball. So this was a team that was getting tackled behind 
the line of scrimmage often and was like no no team made more of less in the running game than the Cleveland Browns backfield last year. And now you talk about them adding J.C. Treader coming on from the Green Bay Packers and uh, Kevin Zeitler. I think that's how you say his name yeah. from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that that offensive line, like basically there's one question at right tackle and they got three bodies that are competing at it. So like you, you look at that and you're saying, you know, that that run game should immediately almost turn into something that people talk about nationally, even next year. Yeah. And, and see, I, I think that I think he was tanking last year because that's, that was really the only functional part of their offense, right? With the, the uh, team, Duke Johnson. Yeah. The, 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 the only the, thing, the, the, the only thing that they were above, the only thing that they were above average at, at all was running yards per carry. And it was, you know, it, they were second in the league at it and it, they were the 31st in run percentage. So, yeah, so I th- I think they were tanking. Like Hugh Hugh knew that was the only functional part of the team, so that that was a legit threat threat that could get them a win if they like if they needed to. Uh, so to cu- to move away from that and just let RG three and Cody Kessler and Josh McCown play reckless football and get killed was, I, I think that was an an effort to get the first pick. But the Browns, I really think they're heading the right place. I like the approach that they have. Uh, you know, just kind of letting the draft come to them, where they got Garrett, uh, Jabril Peppers, Njoku, and then the Kaiser, who I, you were really high on, and Derek was really high on uh, in the second round. So if, if if they hit on Kaiser, they, I mean, they have the offense to be functional as a like year one as a rookie. So I I, I like I really like where they're headed. Hopefully, uh, that front seven makes some noise this year because that secondary is still disgustingly bad. Uh, they signed Jason McCourty, but he's not. He's not moving the needle on that defense uh, very much, just with, with the the lack of talent they have in the secondary. So, not I, I wouldn't say the Browns are going to be good this year, but I don't think like five and eleven is is a stretch uh, for them to achieve this season. They'll, they'll be they'll so, so. This is the thing. I think they'll probably be in a situation where they'll play in more close games than you know double digit losses this year, and that that for Cleveland is incredible. I think uh, I, what is it? San Francisco had nine. Nine losses by more than a touchdown. Cleveland had ten, and no other team had more than seven. So, like they they were pretty clearly, you know, horrible. Like this wasn't a team that got unlucky and got the first overall pick. They were very bad. And that this coming year, they should be at least, you know, NFL talent respectable as a baseline. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the next team, the Baltimore Ravens. This is a very uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, can't speak today. A very interestingly constructed uh, team. The defense is loaded. The offense is absolutely uh, atrocious. I mean, when you look at the defense, the secondary that that secondary is loaded right now with Eric Weddle and uh, they had signed Tony Jefferson. They re-signed with Darius Webb and Tavon Young had a nice rookie season for them too. So if Jimmy Smith can be healthy and Marlon Humphrey plays well as a rookie, that secondary should be lights out. We know how well they were stopping the run with Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce really coming on strong as a rookie. Um, now I, I now the pass rushing situation is interesting because they haven't really gotten that much production out of the, their pass rushers, but, they're they're kind of taking that Browns approach with D line where just throw some shit at the wall and see if it sticks. Like they added Zadarius Smith, uh, Matt Judon, Tim Williams, Tyus Bauer in the last two off seasons, the last two three off seasons. So maybe if one of those guys hits this year, that defense is going to be disgusting. And then so for the defensive backs, one you didn't even mention Brandon Carr, 
right? Like oh, they yes, just right. they just added so many bodies to that. And this was already a unit that was first in interception percentage last year. So like it's a very weird spot. The only thing was they had that huge split between interceptions and sacks. So sack percentage they were twenty fourth. Um, but you look at kind of what they were missing on the line, right? So like Timmy Jernigan was hurt for a bit and now he's shipped off, right? So like that that's a guy who's gone. Elvis Doomerville's not gonna come back. But they added t- you were right, they added Tim Williams and uh, Tyus Bowser, who are kind of different guys, right? Like Tyus Bowser is the freak athlete. Tim Williams was the guy who, you know, sack, you know, uh, sacks per snap, right? Like he might have been the most productive pass rusher in college football history. And then coming off the bench, uh, in terms of defensive linemen, uh, Bronson Kafusi, Chris Wormley, and Willie Henry are all f- kind of freak athletes. And Carl Willie Davis Henry, too. And, yeah, and Carl Davis. So, like, those are all guys on the defensive line that this team didn't have last year and is going to have. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team ends up, uh, you know, improving a lot on the defensive line this year. Just the defense in general. This is gonna be, Did you just order No, I don't, know, I don't know who the hell is. I'm at my girl's house. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But so, like, this front seven is really, like, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, this is going to be a defensive-led team, absolutely. Like, the offensive side of the ball, that's where the concerns come in, where you end up losing another offensive, another quality offensive lineman, right? So, like, they, they ended up oh, – what the hell is his name? Ricky I'm Wagner. This up. Ricky Wagner. I didn't bold it. Uh, Ricky Wagner. They lost Ricky Wagner. He's the highest-paid, like, true right tackle, long-term right tackle in the NFL right now for the Detroit Lions. So they lost him. Um, they lost Colecchio Samuele a, f- a few years ago. Um, this team really has no receivers. This team wasn't willing to run the ball. They were the last in terms of run percentage, even though they were in fairly manageable games last year. Uh, the only running back that they're adding to the roster is Danny Woodhead, who's you know a 32-year-old coming off of a torn ACL. Um, what they did do is they passed to running backs and tight ends often, which, I mean, we all kind of know that Baltimore runs their team through their tight end. Yeah. Uh, but if they want to throw to their running back a lot, like Danny Woodhead, that makes a lot of sense. But how many like how many times are you going to throw in the ball if he's a 32-year-old coming off of a torn ACL? And, like, Joe Flacco never really improved between Tressman and Morningwig when they switched over offensive coordinators midseason. So I, I don't really know what to think of this team. I think their defense is going to be good, but I don't I don't think there's a good chance that they end up in the playoffs. Though I, don't, I do like their chances better than, like, the Bengals. Yeah, it's just hard because I know – you know, we can talk all day about how Joe Flacco doesn't have the weapons in the offensive corner, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I, don't, I just don't think Joe Flacco has played very well, uh, really since that Super Bowl run. He, he's just been kind of like a, a – I think even last year you could say he was a bottom-tier quarterback. And he, he just misses a lot of open throws. And, that, like, the best thing that he offers a team right now is being able to – launch the ball down the field and pray for a pass interference penalty like that that's that's his best skill right <laughs> now. so I, I and th- when you look at the contract when you look at the contract compared to the play he's giving you on the field and you look at other quarterbacks contracts i think you can make an argument that that is the worst contract in the nfl yeah man if you look at contracts in terms of like that that contracts can have negative value right which is something that we've seen with uh, how Cleveland and Houston treating the Brock Osweiler contract, right? right. Um, there's absolutely something there. So John Harbaugh, right? John Harbaugh in his first, what is it, four years with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, he had at that it would have been at that time four of Ozzie Newsom's top five seasons. Okay, since then, uh, John Harbaugh's last five seasons, four of them have been the bottom six of Ozzie Newsom's career as a general manager. And the only other two were two of the three years before Brian Billick got fired in Baltimore. 
And, you know, three of those years are, you know, three of the only five that uh, Ozzie Newsom's teams hadn't won more games by multiple scores than they've lost game by multiple scores. So, you know, that that's a situation where you're seeing, okay, this team clearly, ha- you know, started regressing, you know, here. And that line that you draw is exactly when Joe Flacco got paid. Yeah, it, it's it, – see, when you look at the, 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 the albatross contracts, the contracts that eat up a lot of cap space – it's fine when the quarterback is producing. Like you, no one has a problem with it. But when you get piss poor play, and I, like when you look at Joe, Joe Flacco's stats, he was thirtieth uh, in uh, yards per completion last season, and he, he had a nine point nine. And thirty second was Brock Osler, and he had nine point eight two. So, like the 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 level of play between. Brock Osweiler and Joe Flacco, it wasn't that far apart, but I think in the media's eyes, at least, Joe Flacco gets a pass because that Super Bowl he won a few years ago uh, with the you know eleven touchdowns, zero interception mark. But he ha- he just hasn't played well since then. And I do I thought it was really interesting that like a couple days before the draft, we heard about the the Ravens interviewing Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Kaiser. I thought that was really interesting. So maybe maybe the the clock's ticking on on cool Joe Flacco in Baltimore. Well, well, the thing there is like they had to extend him because of the cap hits that they were going to end up getting. So like he can't even really be moved until like 2019, 2020. Yeah, 2020 is when he can be moved. Yeah, so it's like they're in a real bad spot where they might have to figure out a trade like the Brock Osweiler trade. Yeah, where they're like, yo, someone come eat this contract. I hey, and if the if the Browns are successful in, in their rebuild. I, I I would not be surprised to see more trades like that. Like, yeah, we messed up on this contract. We'll give you a second round pick if you eat this for us. You know, and I, yeah. I mean, it's it's good business for both teams, really. Um, especially that when you look at teams that are rebuilding and can eat that cap space, we'll take the cap space and uh, you give us a pick. And in return for that, you don't have this horrific contract on your team. But uh, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals, who are stuck in their Bengal ways and. Uh, are just banking on in-house options, beating or, or improving the offensive line, which was not great last year. I mean, you had, uh, let's see, looking at the sheet right here, I mean, they were really high in uh, offensive sack percentage. So they were 26th in offensive sack percentage, uh, 23rd in yards per carry, and then they let go Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeiler and are trying to replace them with guys like Cedric of Wade and Jake Fisher, which is, I, I, I think we know how that's going to turn out. And they signed Andre Smith, which is like, yeah, man, th- this situation is not going to go good. Um, that that's pre- I mean, you said it all right there. I I don't know if I have to add anything like that. Like this is going to be a horrible pass blocking unit. Period. And last year they weren't able to. So there's a pretty big split between yards per carry and tackle for loss percentage, right? And you would say tackle for loss percentage is probably a better reflection of the offensive line. So it's like basically they had run they. Their running backs couldn't take advantage of the run blocking last year, but their run blocking and pass blocking split was huge. Well, now they lost the players who signed the number two and number four contract in terms of offensive linemen in the last free agency. No team's lost more offensive talent than they have on the offensive line talent than they have uh, in this past offseason. And like they drafted Joe Mixon, but like what good is Joe Mixon and uh, John Ross going to do if they can't pass block or run block? Like this team, we legitimately might go into like week three or week like that week three to week six range is when we're going to know what the Bengals are. And we might be like they need four new offensive linemen next year. Yeah, it's crazy that they're going to roll in to the season again with Russell Bodine starting at center. I think he's the worst starting center in the league. I mean, how can you I just I don't get 
the the way they operate. Like, why spend a first round pick on Kevin Zeidler? Right, he develops to exactly what you want him to be a, a guy that's going to be worthy of a, a large contract, and you just let him walk out the door to a division rival. I I don't understand why why draft him in the first round in the first place if you have no intention on extending him. I don't know, and it's not like. This team wasn't particularly talented. You know what I mean? Like, they were 6'9-1, six, six, I want to say, last year. And they don't sign free agents. Like, the free agents that they sign are Andre Smith and Michael Johnson, who, you know, are Bengals on their second stints. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's bad. And when you, if you just go watch the video that I posted on the uh, the Bengals uh, season preview, I mean, it it's just Cedric O'Boy just getting dominated by everybody. I mean, he, he has no... No idea how to use his hands to punch. He's he's pretty weak. He just gets bulldozed repeatedly. And if they're gonna bank on him being the left tackle this season, I think Andy Dalton might have to sit out the season. That that's just a no. <laughs> there's there's no reason for for him to object himself to that. But moving on to the uh, from the Bengals to the Steelers, what do you make of their offseason? Uh, not much happened. Uh, they lost Lawrence Timmons. But yeah. other than that, I mean, they're basically the same team, uh, just returning plus talent from uh, from the draft class. I mean, they lost Marcus Wheaton, but Marcus Wheaton was basically gone all last season anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. He signed with the, he ended up signing with the Bears. Um, he was hurt last year, but like the team's not lacking. Uh, I would say like firepower in terms of uh, offensive skill players. Yeah. I mean, they have Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates, Juju Smith-Schuster. Justin Hunter and Martavis Bryant coming back at receiver. Like, they didn't need to bring back Marcus Wheaton at all. Um, it's a pretty balanced team. Like, legitimately, like, they're, they're pretty good at passing the football other than Ben Roethlisberger throwing interceptions at a high rate, right? Yeah. Um, they're good at running the ball, right? If Le'Veon Bell can stay healthy, that would help him a lot. Or uh, st- get on suspended. Like, stay stay out suspended. Stay um, and yeah, stay on the field. Oh, yeah, I'll get it the third time. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you look at their offensive line. Their offensive line was the team that produced uh, the second best sack rate in the NFL and the third best tackle for loss rate in the NFL. And they return all five of their starters. So that's a legitimately like dominant uh, offensive line, and they return everyone. So like offensively, this team really ha- doesn't have an issue as long as you know Roethlisberger uh, doesn't throw the ball away, and their guy, their you know major skill players don't get suspended. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little iffy, but they're still pretty balanced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this was a team that surprisingly uh, it had an above-average sack rate, and I didn't – like, you don't really think of any pass rushers in, in Pittsburgh, but, like, some of the guys who were able to get after it – I mean, Dupree finished second in sacks on the team, even though he really didn't even start – like, that, that didn't even start going until December. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they send their inside linebackers often – um, Lawrence Timmons, the replacement to him is kind of going to be in- interesting because they try to go after Hightower. Hightower didn't sign, and then they're just riding with Vince Williams because they didn't add anyone in the draft or free agency. Um, they have a million defensive backs coming back in. Uh, like, there, there's guys like, uh, what's his name, uh, Senquiz Golson? Uh, he was I don't, a second I don't round think pick. Him anymore. Well, there's just like, it's weird things like that where it's like, there's him, there's Cody Sensenball, there's Cameron Sutton. Uh, Brian Allen, and they're bringing back all their guys in their in the defensive back unit, and like their defensive back unit, while it was below average, like if you're gonna say, you know, it, it, it wasn't a chink in the armor, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't something that was massive and glaring. And then on the defensive line, they have, uh, you know, our boy Javon Hargrave that we've been in love with for two years, yeah. uh, Cameron Hayward, 
Stephon Tua and Tyson Arluwalu coming off the bench. So, like, if you're talking about a team that, you know, that that's at least too deep in nickel and you have your starters in 3-4 defense pretty, you know, solidified. And T.J. Watt's probably coming off of the bench behind, you know, Bud Dupree and James Harrison this year. So, um, that, I, I, it's a really balanced team. Uh, I wrote in the piece, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady make up, like, 91% of, like, returning AFC championship wins <laughs> in terms of quarterbacks. Like, legitimately... Just bet money on. Uh, I think I think they're eighteen to one right now. They're eighteen to one to win the Super Bowl. Bet money on that. Figure out how to hedge it in a New England Pittsburgh, you know, playoff game, probably the AFC Championship. And then uh, if you survive, learn how to hedge it against the NFC. And you're probably going to end up like five hundred bucks. You know, you made five hundred bucks on a hundred dollar bet. Yeah, uh, I think you you nailed it right there. They're in a good spot, and I really I, I think Tyson uh, excuse me Tyson Aluwalu he got a bad rap I guess for not living up to that top ten pick in Jacksonville, but I think I think he's still a pretty solid football player. And as your third uh, like I guess five tech that's rotating in base and uh, can play three tech and nickel. I think that's a damn good. I think like that's the ideal backup five tech to have, like a high energy athletic player who who's who's going to help solidify that run defense a bit. Yeah, he's going to be – that, that's how I view him. I, I view him as a two-deep nickel guy. And, like, if that's your two-deep nickel guy, you're fine. You're, fine. you're totally fine. This team is absolutely in a position where they should be making a AFC title run. Um, but, I mean, the question, I guess, that would linger is, like, yo, Roth, is Roethlisberger's heart in it, right? Like – this dude kind of had some bad luck with interceptions and he's had bad luck with injury lately. And he came out in the news and was like, I'm not retiring. And people were like, what, what do you mean? Like, we know you're not retiring, bro. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think he, you look at the Patriots and what they've done this off season. Yeah. That I, I think at the heart of heart, he knows their team isn't good enough to beat them. So that's uh, fine. 18 to one. We hedge it in the AFC, AFC championship game. That's fine. We don't need Pittsburgh to win the Super Bowl. We just need to get them into the playoffs against the Patriots. Uh, that's, well, that's going to wrap up our AFC North recap or, or season preview. We'll be back probably in a few days and next week with our NFC North uh, up, uh, update. So remember, go on settingedge.com, look at the update, and we have, we're going to run, we're running through all 32 teams for season previews, and they're really in depth, and the feedback has already been really good. So we will see you guys next week. <laughs>